Suppose you're at dinner with someone you love very much. You're in a fine restaurant. The illumination is adequate for you. The rest of the restaurant is in the shadows. You talk with one another. You listen to one another. There are moments of silence filled with meaning. The waiter periodically comes around to serve you. And when you leave, you're still in companionship with the one you had dinner, but the conversation now turns more casual, less personal. This is a picture of prayer. Prayer is an intimate conversation with God. At those moments, the world isn't banished, it's in the shadows. It's just you and God talking with one another. There is speaking, there is listening. You believe God to be immensely important, and what you're talking about demands your exclusive attention. But there's also a parody to prayer that we often engage in. In this kind of prayer, the details are much the same with two major differences. In the parody for prayer, the person across the table is yourself and God is the waiter. The waiter God is essential but peripheral. You talk, you, the, the waiter, you can't have dinner without the waiter, but he's not an intimate participant in the dinner. Again, there's, there is talking and there is listening, but the person you're really absorbed in is yourself. Your needs, your wants, your frustrations, your views, your interests. And when you leave, the waiter is forgotten until the next time. This summer, we're going through a series, sermon series on the book of Jeremiah, Fearless Faith in Tough Times. The theme for today, Praying with Jeremiah. Jeremiah's prayers are not parody. Jeremiah's prayers are essential and intimate. He prays to God about what's going on in his life. With Jeremiah's prayers, his attention is undivided preoccupation with God. Focus on what God has to say to him. And one of those prayers is our text for today from Jeremiah chapter 15. Your words were found and I ate them. In other words, he embodied God's word. And they became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. Jeremiah's words there, a joy and a delight. Those words occur together four more times in the book of Jeremiah, and in each instance, they are connected with the words bride and bridegroom. 
What Jeremiah is doing is through this poetic word association, he wants to liken prayer with the exuberance that a young couple feels in the presence of one another. That when he prays, he eats God's word which is a metaphorical way, again, of saying of his reading and listening and studying and meditating on God's word. Do you want a more robust prayer life? Do you want a more intimate prayer life? Listen as God speaks his word to you. How does God speak to Jeremiah? Well, in chapter 26 of Jeremiah, he's hauled off before the king's court and charged with treason. But God's word comes to vindicate him because the officials point out that Micah, an earlier prophet, said the same things about the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, and Micah wasn't charged with treason. Government officials ever have a double standard? You know, laws for thee and not for me? Well, in Jeremiah chapter 29, Jeremiah hears about the exiles and the, how they are floundering in Babylon. And so God says, Jeremiah, write a letter to these exiles. Assure them that they have a future and a hope. Remember, as we said in one of our earlier sermons, the end is not the end with God. In chapters 51 and 52, Jeremiah is overwhelmed by the raw evil that he sees in Babylon. And God reassures Jeremiah by saying to him in part, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. It's encouraging when you know that your enemy will be ruined by their own evil. In chapter 36, Jeremiah is commanded to proclaim a prophecy to King Jehoiakim. And as Jeremiah is reading his prophecy from the scroll, the king cuts off the scroll and burns it in the fire. And what does Jeremiah do? He goes back and rewrites the word of God. In Jeremiah's lifetime, Judah will be destroyed. The temples and sacrifice, the monarchy, the cities, and most of all, the land. But God's word will remain. And it's this word that undermines tyranny and mobilizes the people. God's word always remains. It defines our life because God speaks his words into us as well. It is a word that is the power of God for salvation of all who believe. It is a word that is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Of course, God finally and fully gave us another word, a word more vindicating than the words of Micah in defense of Jeremiah, a word more hopeful than that written by Jeremiah to the exiles in Babylon, a word more 
victorious than the word spoken against Babylon. A word more enduring than the rewritten word to King Jehoiakim. This word came down through the galaxies, across the Milky Way, past the stars into our solar system, past the planets and moon, and became flesh on this earth. Jesus was the word made flesh to carry our sins to the cross, to bear our burden on his shoulder, to defeat sin and Satan, and to live again. Jeremiah says, your words were found and I ate them and I ate your words. They became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. Only after you listen to God's word, then and only then do we get to speak to God. And as you saw in the Old Testament lesson, when Jeremiah spoke to God, he held nothing back. Jeremiah said, why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? You know, the first part of any relation is to be yourself. You know, off with the masks, away with the pretense. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me. The sins of the people, the cruelty of the wicked, the giddy indifference to the everyday crowd caused Jeremiah deep sorrow and anguish. He felt all the ache of unrequited love. He felt the rejection in every muscle and bone. Everyone in Jeremiah's circle didn't like him, rejected him, and it caused him pain and anguish. Jeremiah was frustrated with God. He said, will you be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail? Remember in our confession part there, we say that God is the fountain of living water. But here, Jeremiah is saying, God, you're like waters that fail. Literally, it's like waters that have proven untrustworthy. People in Israel are familiar with a wadi or a dry stream. These types of streams hardly ever have water in them unless there's a heavy rain somewhere else in the land of Israel. If you're a person looking, that is thirsty, looking for water, and you approach this stream like this, you're more than likely going to be disappointed. Jeremiah likens God to one of these types of streams. You know, is God who he claims to be? Where are you when I need relief? Are you reliable, God? You're like someone who builds up hope but never satisfies. Someone once said that believers argue with God, skeptics argue with one another. It's not wrong to argue with God as long as you're willing to listen to him. 
We all know, I think, what it feels to be frustrated with God. You know, to have that frustration uh, with God and, and um, how to deal with our pain in our lives. But do we take that to the Lord in prayer? Do we tell God about our pain, our anger, our deepest longings? You know, lamenting is not a weakness. Lamenting actually shows trust and hope. In all the experiences of Jeremiah, his thoughts and his pain, he always sets those things in relationship to a loving, knowing God. And when you take these moments in your life and set them in relationship to God, something happens. God speaks to you. Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you repent, I will restore you and you shall stand before me. If you utter what is precious and not what is worthless, you shall be as my mouth. They shall turn to you, but you shall not turn to them. Jeremiah may have stopped speaking, but his prayer doesn't end. Our prayers don't end when we say amen, because God is more than just our audience. He is our partner. Jeremiah spoke honestly, and now he listens expectantly. Repent, God says. That word is a, is a major theme in the book of Jeremiah. Mostly Jeremiah telling the people of Judah to repent, but here God speaks it to Jeremiah himself. Repent! It's like, when we pray that those who support the cheapening of life would repent, we need to repent as well. Repent for allowing it to get this way. Repent for the ways that we cheapen life ourselves. And then we need to reestablish priorities. Utter what is precious, God says. Priorities are reestablished in prayer. It makes all the difference in the world whether God is in the first place or the second. I mean, who is in charge here? God or the people? Jeremiah was complaining because he was concerned about what the other people thought about him. That's not your concern, says God. I am your concern. Your focus is on me. And in prayer, our priorities are reestablished. And it's there that God answers us with his grace and mercy, like he did Jeremiah. He said, and I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail over you. For I am with you to save you and deliver you, declares the Lord. We heard that before, right? In Jeremiah's calling as a youth. Remember that from chapter 1? 
where God said, Jeremiah, I call you to be my prophet. You will be a fortified city, an iron pillar, a wall of bronze. What God says then, God says now. Promises of God hold true. I will save you. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. And those promises come to us as well. Those are the promises that God gives his faithful people who come to him in prayer. God declares to us that we will be a wall of bronze amidst the sins that we face in our everyday life, the temptations that we face in our everyday life. We may wonder, you know, do do prayers like this actually work? Well, ask Joseph Scriven. Who's Joseph Scriven? He was a young man who was engaged to be married. But shortly before his wedding day, his promised bride accidentally drowned. He fell into the deepest sorrow. And what did Joseph do? He wrote a hymn. What's the name of that hymn? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses our human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.